This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man who never returned his copy of Tropic of Cancer back to the library. Here is the captain. Yes, Mr. Bookman, I returned that book, Joy Boy. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today we are sipping on another delicious beer from the great folks at Tactical Brewing Company. This is Fog of Hostility. It's an Imperial New England IPA. It's dank, it's piney, and citrusy. It's also 9% ABV, so best to drink this one at home in your garage. Garage grade, how about four and a quarter bottle caps? Now, time for some praise and thank yous. First up, a cheers to the angry Italian in Rialto, California. And a big shout to Hannah in Lake Stevens, Washington. Next, we have a shout to the always kind and never littering Meg in Buffalo. And a big We Like Your Jib goes out to Chris and Shira in Toronto, Canada. Here's a cheers to Noah and Laura in Tullahoma, Tennessee. And last but certainly not least, we have Augustine and Sean Jennifer in Chicagoland. Everyone we mentioned went to truecrimegarage.com, and they helped us out with this week's beer fund. Yeah, B-W-E-R-U-N, Beer Run. For Beer Run t-shirts, check out our store page. We also have Be Good, Be Kind, and Don't Litter shirts, and so much more. Check out the store today, and that's enough of the business. All right, everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. On March 14th, 2000, it's now been one month since nine-year-old Aisha Degree disappeared. On this day, Aisha's parents appear on the Montel Williams TV show. The Degree family, along with Aisha's basketball coach, his name is Chad Wilson, they did interviews on the Montel Williams show that aired that day. And we also have America's Most Wanted and the Oprah Winfrey show that did segments on the case as well. On March 22nd, the Degree family put up a billboard at the spot where Jeff, our eyewitness, said that he saw Aisha run into the woods. That same day, Sheriff Crawford stated that his department was trying to rule out a handful of unnamed suspects. They contacted local sex offenders, spoke to everyone who may have had contact with Asia. The FBI created a psychological profile of Asia's abductor, which has never been released to the public. I can't remember, and I was 
scouring my notes to try to find the exact date, Captain, but there was a statement from the sheriff, uh, Sheriff Crawford, at some point. This would be within weeks of her disappearance, saying that the the parents were cleared as suspects or no longer considered to be suspects. Remember, we had him stating within 12 hours or 24 hours of her going missing that we're looking for clues and everyone's a suspect. Well, at some point, at least on the record in that newspaper on that day, he says the parents are no longer suspects. Right, and just like you talked about before, we we have no dog scent or any real evidence other than eyewitnesses to back up the idea that she left the house on her own. Now, now how she did that, I think that is debatable, but but we know that at some point we we have to trust these eyewitnesses because there's so many of them and their all their stories seem very similar. Not only are the stories similar, they're reporting these independently of one another, which adds to the credibility. And then when you go to the areas where they're saying that they saw Asia, we're finding Asia's belongings. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, this happened. I mean, yeah. Confirmation of the eyewitness accounts. Right. So what that means is investigators believe that Asia left her residence of her own accord. But of course, why and for what is really anyone's guess. We mentioned yesterday that people have said she was upset about a basketball game. I, I, I just find that incredibly difficult to believe that the outcome of that basketball game would, would really, I mean, look, it's cold and raining. It's a thunderstorm. As you pointed out yesterday, people have said that she was scared of the dark, scared of dogs. Mm -hmm. She's nine. Mm-hmm. that's the thing that we need to like circle and underline a bazillion times. Even the national center for missing and exploited children say that typically they rarely see anyone run away under the age of 12. So a basketball game, I'm upset about a basketball game, but I'm scared of the dark and scared of dogs. Well, I'm scared of storms as well. And the, and that's, that's what I keep coming back to. If one were to run away, this is not the ideal time to do it. It seems to me like if there was something going on at your home or you're upset about a basketball game or what have you, you could pick a different time to run away. You could go, well, maybe I'll wait 24 more hours. Maybe it won't be raining then. Yeah, and we don't have anybody after the game other than the initial shock of her losing or the initial emotions of her losing Everybody says she bounced back. She was fine during her brother's game. She was fine during a sleepover. And one thing that we don't have that's not public information, but law enforcement might be fully aware of this. One thing we are not armed with is the knowledge of when that backpack was packed up. That could be fairly important. And we got to keep in mind, too, law enforcement may know this because they're not going into this blind. She's a nine-year-old child. Her parents are very involved in her life. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to go to mom and dad, especially within those first few hours. Th- these are the questions you're asking. We need to try to determine what she may have taken with her. So, mom, dad, tell us what what items of hers are missing from her room. And so that's how they come up with this is what she probably took with her. Now, Based off of the items you believe that that she took with her that are missing from your home, you can then put together a different type of timeline of when she potentially packed up that bag. It's very easy for mom to say, hey, I washed that basketball uniform right after a game. I do it every time. So she must have packed it up afterwards. Or she didn't wear this to the slumber party. You see where I'm going with this. You can determine these things, and law enforcement may in fact know that. My suspicion here... One thing that's been pointed out is that her fourth grade class at Falston Elementary School, they were recently reading the Whipping Boy book, which is a book that I remember we read when I was in kid. Well, when I was a kid in school, Uh, this is by Sid Fleischman. The book centers around a story of a prince and a common child who receives lashes on behalf of the prince. So if the prince does something bad, it's the, it's the common child that gets physically punished for this. The two 
create this unlikely friendship and they decide to run away together and they go off on some adventures and then they both return safely later. So some people pointed out, maybe, maybe this is a possibility. Maybe she's going off on some adventure. I, I don't know. I can, I feel confident about certain things in this case. And what I can say is I feel confident that for her to have left in the middle of the night under those conditions, weather conditions, She's either A, running away from something, or B, running to something. There was something that was uh, of urgency that that required leaving that night. Yeah, I, again, I disagree, but we can argue till we're blue in the face on whether or not she was sleepwalking or where she was heading to. I just don't know what would be so urgent or what kind of con somebody would have to... Uh, coax this girl out that's afraid of the dark afraid of storms afraid of dogs nine years old to leave her house in the middle of the night without telling anybody in the summer of 2000 just a few months after she went missing there was a major tip that came in for the case and this came out of the county jail in mecklenburg an inmate his name baron ramsey started making collect calls to the Charlotte Observer and the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office, insisting that he knew what happened to the girl. He's 32 years old at the time of this event. He says that he and another man were heading back to Shelby, driving on NC-18 in the early morning hours of February 14th, this after buying drugs in Hickory, which would be... 28 miles north of Falston. 9.1 miles of that would be on this highway of NC-18. He says that the other man was driving a pickup truck and that they struck a girl as she was crossing the road. He says that the girl was still alive when the driver put her in the back of the pickup. Ramsey says that the driver dropped him off at home and left with the girl. A few days later, Ramsey said that the man returned to take him fishing on Moss Lake near Kings Mountain. Ramsey says that he helped the man. Obviously, he knows this man's name. It's just not printed in the paper. He helped the man dump the now dead girl's body in the lake. The Kings Mountain area is about 19 miles southeast of Falston, of Aisha's home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ramsey says he was reporting this months later because, one, his conscience was bothering him, and, two, he's facing a long federal prison stay, and he was hoping for a deal. Ramsey robbed a Bessemer City bank in April of 2000, so after the girl went missing. Investigators searched NC-18 for car parts and found nothing. They're looking for evidence that there would have been a hit and run or some type of accident. They were doing that the day that she went missing and the, the day after they based off of his statements, they dragged Moss Lake twice and even used an infrared underwater camera and dive teams, but found nothing. They found zero. Yeah. No evidence of Asia at all. In October of 2000, they moved the inmate. They move Baron Ramsey to the Cleveland County Jail because Ramsey tells them, hey, let's put me here. We can arrange for a meeting with the driver of the pickup that, that hit the girl and had me help him dispose of her body. Yeah. We can have him come and meet me here. Okay, so they move him to this Cleveland County Jail. Once he's there, Ramsey, along with other inmates, they plan to escape, but somehow the guards figure out their plan and they stopped this escape plan. Yeah. Cause they figured out their dumbasses. So the authorities are left wondering, look, she's not where you said she was or not where you said we would find her. Was this all just a lie? So you could get to Cleveland County jail and try to make an escape. And if you can't make the escape, is this, is this like a really good plan? Because then maybe you could 
throw this other guy under the bu- bus and receive some type of deal from us, whether we found her or not. Typical criminal. The authorities say that, that they were suspicious of him from the get go. They were suspicious of him, especially after this <laughs> escape plan think? was discovered. <laughs> and he failed several polygraph tests in regards to the information that he provided to Surprise. law enforcement. So Surprise. it doesn't seem like there is there's anything really here. In fact, authorities have been on the record stating that they do not believe Ramsey at all. And they think he had nothing to do with why she is still missing. And her family has said the same thing too, that they, they just don't believe this Ramsey guy's story. Yeah. But the, the point of contact though, makes a lot of sense to me because you hear about, you know, in the Mara Murray case or Brian Schaefer or something like that where, oh, well, maybe they just got hit by a vehicle and then somebody had to dispose of the body. Well, what the what would be the motive? Well, when the guy's telling you, well, we, we had a bunch of drugs and we're criminals anyways, and we got a bunch of drugs and now we got this girl that we hit, I wouldn't believe that you would find a bunch of evidence because she's nine, she's small. How much damage is she going to do to that vehicle? So the story starts out as pl- as plausible, I believe. Uh, plausible enough where the cops said, we got to see where this goes. But like you said, it, the story starts falling apart pretty quickly. Well, yeah, and if you're going to hope to receive any type of deal at all, or even if you're just trying to do some good, at the very least, maybe her body could be where you say it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, that would be a good starting point. We know that not to be the case. On August 5th of that same year, she's now been missing for several months, and Asia would have celebrated her 10th birthday. Now, February 14th, 2001 gets us up to the one-year marker. Asia's now been missing for one year. Their parents, her parents, have their 13th year wedding anniversary and they said to the papers you know that's something we will no longer celebrate um of course we're still married still in love with one another we just cannot celebrate anything right on that day going forward august 3rd of that same year 2001 terry fleming he's the owner of precision grading He's working on a construction project in neighboring Burke County. He uncovered Asia's missing book bag. And how does he know that it's hers? Well, it has her name and telephone number, and some reports state her address as well uh-huh. written in the bag. Hey, and how far away was this from where she went missing? Okay, so the the book bag was located more than 26 miles from her family's home. So this would be north. This is in a different direction from where she was seen walking that morning. The general description of it is this, Captain, that buried off of Highway 18, the book bag was found 18 months after Asia disappeared. The book bag was double wrapped in black plastic trash bags found more than 26 miles from her family's home in a different direction from where she had been walking. The book bag was found off of NC-18, about six miles south of Morganton, which is almost 30 miles north of the intersection of NC-18 and NC-180. Remember, that's where she was roughly seen last. Yeah. It was found in a spot about 50 yards off of the highway. Here's a full description of what was found in the bag, although I would like to throw out a uh, buyer beware here as I don't think officially there was ever a full inventory of what was in the bag that was released to the public. But online, this was the most comprehensive list that I could find. So I thought it was worth mentioning. So they say that Asia's black book bag and black Tweety bird purse were missing from her room after she disappeared along with a pair of blue jeans with a red stripe black sneakers, a long-sleeved white shirt with purple lettering, a red vest with black trim, black overalls with Tweety Bird on them, and a long-sleeved black and white shirt. Also, we have Aisha's house key that would have been in her book bag. Now, of course, investigators searched this area 
for several days after this find. I mean, this is a major find in the investigation. All they found in this area, Captain, was they found some animal bones, which one would expect to find. Mm. They also found a pair of men's khaki pants that were found. Jake from State Farm. The khaki pants thing is super weird to me, but the statement that they put out at the time was that they didn't believe that the pants had any connection to Aisha's book bag or to Aisha's case. Yeah, right. And I don't know how they were able to determine that if it's something that I mean, you might be able to look at something and determine that it's been there for well over 18 months. It's called science. Um, or maybe they have other reasons to believe that. Now, well, you also you have this book bag that is put in two trash bags and buried. So why wouldn't they take the same precautions with the pants if they were connected? That brings us to another piece here in the case where. You really gotta, you really gotta sift through the details to have a, a full idea of what's going on because here. Because when I get rid of a pair of pants, I put them in two bags and I bury them off, right. off the freeway. Of course. Well, so this guy that found them, he he was working in the area. He's the owner of that that company. This is an area that's been going through some changes and being worked on for quite some time. So a lot of people have questioned. Well, why would anybody double bag her book bag and then bury it? Some have even said that this is similar to a parent killing one's child and then wrapping them up in a blanket and and placing them somewhere, like some form of preservation. Mm-hmm. And no, I think it's to possibly uh guard from scent dogs or something well the other thing too is people say well if if someone killed her why would they bother bagging double bagging this item before burying it was it so that they could retrieve it at another time to preserve it as some kind of trophy or to not get caught um i think what I go to is the, the sheriff's statements at the time, and I found this to be very interesting because the story that's lived on for 20 years is that the bags were found buried 50 yards off of the, the side of the highway. The sheriff at the time said that because the, the, the land had been worked and worked over several times, he had evidence to believe that the bag that someone discarded this, that the item was double bagged and simply thrown out of a moving vehicle at some point. And then it became buried over time because they were working the land. Mm -hmm. So that puts a whole different spin on things and makes a lot more sense when you think about it, rather than someone killing a child, double bagging this thing and burying it. You, the, Placing the item in trash bags seems to defeat the purpose of burying it. Right. Uh, I, but you do point out a good thing of the idea that maybe you're trying to hide the scent or any type of scent that might might come from that. But you're you're 26 miles away from the area in question. Well, and the double bagging and throwing out the window can make sense. I would say if if you're double bagging it, maybe somebody's just less likely willing to try to rip open two bags to see what's in it. They could just assume that it's trash and discard of it on the side of the road. Yeah. I think the placing it in a trash bag, one serves the purpose of concealing it until you have the opportunity to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And then it conceals it further. Even after you've discarded it, people see, unfortunately, uh, we live in a world where people throw shit out their windows hats, and it sits on the side of the highway filthy animals and so if you if you were to see a book bag well that might draw someone's attention much much more than it would if someone saw a common black trash bag mm-hmm. now investigators with this finding announced that they considered asia's disappearance to be a criminal matter and foul play was suspected after the book bag's discovery of course, that surrounding area was thoroughly searched afterwards, but other than the pants or the animal bones, no additional evidence was reportedly located at that time. One thing that I found really interesting here, Captain, 
And this is all based around the finding of the book bag. It was the sheriff's statement at the time. He's kind of going through some of the facts of the case, and he's given us a little more information here. So his statement was, several drivers witnessed her, Asia, walking south along North Carolina Highway 18 around 4 a.m., but did not alert police. Her parents reported her missing a few hours later when they woke up and found Asia's bed empty. More than a year later, her book bag was discovered buried along the same highway where she was last seen walking. Based on our investigation, we have reason to believe that individuals in this community or the surrounding area have knowledge of or information pertaining to the disappearance of Asia. Very interesting to me that what he's saying in general there is now this area where the book bags found is the point of our investigation rather than where she went missing from. We think someone in this area, 26 miles north, has information pertaining to Aisha's case. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile 
for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need to pack a lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Uh, a quick announcement. We will be at CrimeCon in Austin, Texas. Our promo code is TCG10 for 10% off if you use our promo code. And also, I will be going, uh, Nick cannot make it this year, to CrimeCon UK. And our promo code is the same, TCG10 for 10% off your tickets. In January of 2014... Detectives announced that they were looking into 57-year-old Donald Ferguson, who was arrested for the 1990 rape and murder of 7-year-old Shalanda Poole, whose body was found behind an elementary school in Greensboro, North Carolina. While investigating a seemingly unrelated sexual assault in 2013, the authorities in South Carolina entered his DNA into a national database and realized it matched the suspect sample in Shalanda's case. So they're in South Carolina, they're investigating a completely different case. They have some DNA that they throw into the system and they, they come up with a hit to this other victim, right? This murdered victim, seven year old murder victim, Shalanda Poole. So authorities of course are going to arrest this Donald Ferguson, they try him for it. He's found guilty. But what this gives us here is a potential suspect because they want to know what this guy would have been doing in February of 2000. Yeah. It's reported that he was living about 40 miles from the city of Shelby at and around that time. So he could have had something to do. I will throw this out there though. In the, the case of Shalanda Poole, she was a neighbor, a neighbor's daughter, and her body was found fairly close to their home. And unfortunately, when these cases are solved, and I mean, anybody can think back to cases that, that they've heard elsewhere or seen on TV. A lot of times when it's younger victims like this, especially young boys and girls, it's often a, a neighbor someone that has seen this child time and time again, maybe doesn't, maybe has some type of relationship with the family, maybe right. doesn't, but it's usually someone that's in close proximity to, to the victim themselves. The old creepy cock neighbor. Yeah. So uh, they, they looked into him. I don't know. I know nothing has come of it because, mm. uh, we would be having a much different discussion here today. That was back from 2014. And well, one of the things that you haven't got into is, you know, this was 2000, she was nine years old. The 
the family didn't have a family computer, which some people think that's odd. And in today's standards, I think that would be a little strange for a family not to have some kind of access to the internet, whether it's through a cell phone, a tablet, or, or some other means. But in 2000, I didn't have a computer. I don't think, uh, you know, my parents were divorced, and I, I don't think either one of them had a computer at the time or, or one that was working well or, or had easy capabilities or easy access to the internet. So the grooming or the possibility that some uh, pedo was in contact with her to get her to go out of her house that night would be somebody that the family would have had to know. And again, I don't think there's any evidence or was connected to circles that the family would know about her school, the church, the basketball team. Yeah, you're right. If, if some creep lured this kid out of her house, he didn't use it. He didn't do it via computer into the home. Right. And you're right. There are people that are like, I've, I've heard it and read it time and time again. People will say, Asia had a very sheltered life. Yeah. All no, they just didn't have a computer. And there no, is, think about how sheltered this is a couple of days before she goes missing. She's at her aunt's house, you know. And then the next day she's at the basketball and then she goes to her a brother's slumber room. party that has almost a dozen kids there. She's in Bible study classes, plays on the basketball team, she goes to school. Right. It's, this is not a sheltered life. This is an extremely normal life. I agree. Uh, her mother was on record at some point saying that they didn't have a computer because um, they, they didn't want any, pro, you know, they had small children, 10 and nine years old. They didn't see the need for a computer, nor did they want to mess with any of the headaches of monitoring what the kids may be doing on the computer. Yeah, keep the The other thing, out. too, sometimes if you can't afford something, you just don't buy it. I mean, I was trying to think, I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say, yeah, in 2000, I didn't have a computer either. That doesn't mean that I was sheltered. No, I, I had one. It's just, it worked horribly. I think it was one of those old gateway computers that was, was all jammed up with Napster music. (laughs) Yeah. Napster music and porno. And you know what? And I couldn't afford to replace the thing, uh, cause I didn't make good money and they were expensive. So, there's it doesn't point to a sheltered life in my opinion. Well, you should have told your girlfriend not to download all that porno. All right, back to the case. So we have the FBI mm. that comes out and they announce a suspect vehicle, which is believed to be either an early nineteen seventies Lincoln Continental Mark IV or possibly a Ford Thunderbird, green in color with rust around the wheel wells. Yeah. I mean, look, if you take these two cars and put them side by side, they look like the same car. Just maybe a, like this was the newer model and this is the older model, but they are different cars by different manufacturers. Yeah. Very similar vehicles. Um, I can understand why if somebody's reporting this to authorities that they wouldn't be able to 100% say for certain that it was a Ford Thunderbird or a Lincoln Mark four. What I do find extremely interesting about this tip is, look, she went missing in 2000. This is reported to be an early 1970s vehicle. That makes it not one of a kind, but fairly unique. Yeah. Where if you could find this vehicle or get a direct link to this vehicle, you're going to have a bigger piece of the pie to work with if you're an investigator. Now, one thing that I find weird is that there's no specifics given on where this new information came from. And I want to put new in air quotes there, air quotations there, new information. Is this something that they had for years or was this in fact new information? Because Uh, I've seen a lot of people argue that because it could be something that they had a, a tip that they had early on. And now that they're, they're pulling this out of their back pocket. And look, and you know, we we see this all the time, and we've heard John Douglas talk about this. These law enforcement agencies need to sometimes make a decision early on: Are we going to use the public for help or not? Mm-hmm. And if we are, then this tip, sh- you know, if this is not a 
new tip, but something they had early on. This is something that would have been better on to, to know early on because it's pretty easy to get rid of a vehicle. Well, and that's going to be my major hangup with this case and with the investigation itself. Now, when in their press release, what is stated is that the vehicle was occupied two times. I don't know what that means. The sheriff at the time, this is Alan Norman, also said that the car was discovered by legwork, you know, because they want to know where this new information is coming from. It was discovered by legwork between the sheriff's office investigators and the FBI, but would not go into any further detail about the new lead. The direct statement is that Asia may have been cited getting into a distinctive dark green vehicle early 1970s model car on the night that she was last seen the vehicle which had rust around the wheel wells again is thought to have been a lincoln mark four or a ford thunderbird those photos pictures examples of those vehicles come up pretty regularly if you just google asia degrees name yeah we'll post those on all social media facebook instagram and twitter this is going to bring us up to october 2018 I, I I don't, I mean, this case just leaves me shaking my head, uh, for, for many, many reasons. And I, and I don't want to sound like I'm Kermit the frog being uber critical of the sheriff's department, but I, I just can't help, but under, I just don't understand this investigation. This is when the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office detectives appealed for information from the public about two items of interest. This was a book. This is McGilligot's Pool, which is a children's book by Dr. Seuss, and a New Kids on the Block concert T-shirt. Now, an investigator said that these items are vital clues in the Asia degree investigation. At the time... oh. Investigators would not say where these items came from or why they believe them to be vital clues in Asia in her case. It was later revealed that these two items were found in her book bag that was found in August of 2001. Mm -hmm. The book itself was later determined to have been borrowed. And we know this per a stamp inside the, the book the book was borrowed from the Folston Elementary School Library in early 2000. The statement from the police and the FBI is that, Captain, I tell you, this makes me want to chug this beer and punch myself in the face. Mm, or punch yourself in the nuts. Mm-hmm. They're stating that. In the face. Asia did not check this book out. Mm-hmm. They're also stating that they we don't know who checked it out because the records don't go back to the year 2000. Mm. Holy shit, let's explore all of the problems with everything that they just said. You can tell me that you know that the book was borrowed from the Falston Elementary School Library in early 2000, but you can't tell me who checked it out, but you can tell me that it wasn't Asia? Mm. That seems awfully bizarre. The records don't go back to 2000. Well, when did you start looking for the records? Because now it's 2018 Mm -hmm. and you're saying the records don't go back to 2000. If these items did come from the book bag, like your website says, yeah, you found these items in August of 2001. You mean to tell me that the Falston elementary school didn't have records of the previous school year then? Right. Right. And if they didn't again, how can you tell me that she didn't check out the book? It's it's absolutely just okay, but the book, bizarro. Yeah, but the book to me is not that big of a mystery. Uh, she checked it out, or somebody else checked it out, but she had that book. I believe she probably had that book at her house when she left that night, and it was in her book bag. the The item that baffles me more is this uh, new kids on the block shirt. It almost looks like a nighty on 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 some level, and maybe he she could have got it from somebody at that slumber party, but because the only record that I have of anybody talking about the new kids on the block shirt is her parents saying that's, that wasn't her shirt. She didn't own that shirt. Okay. Well, she was at a slumber party with how many people, but, but they, again, I mean, you would think they would, would show that to all 
persons involved to determine that it that it wasn't hers which is yeah. that's been the general statement that and, and that's what was weird about when the book bag was found originally back in 2001 there was a statement by the the sheriff saying when asked what was in the book bag or in the trash bags he says something like 90 percent of 90 or 99 percent i can't remember which one it was of everything was that was found belonged to Asia. And at the time, nobody knew what the hell that could mean. And then later we fast forward to 17 years later when they're telling us about this book that, and, and I get what you're saying. I think of much more importance is the new kids on the block t-shirt for the investigation. Yeah. I just find it incredibly weird that they would say, Hey, this book was checked out from her school library but she didn't check it out you know you you could simply say these items were found in her book bag tell us that in 2001 so we can actually do something with the information not 17 years later and don't make it so damn convoluted about the book itself just say it came from her school but we don't we we don't have any evidence that she is brought it with her or that it that she checked it out it could have come from another source and by the way, this new kids on the block shirt, it had to have come from another source because we've showed it to everybody that, that knew her and everyone says the same thing. She had no reason to have that in her possession. In fact, that shirt would have been, that was from the 1989-1990 Hanging Tough World Tour that the new kids on the block went you know, went on this tour. Yeah, absolutely classic. She wasn't even born until August of 2000. I'm so I'm sorry of of 1990 still could be a fan I mean <laughs> well, of, of a legendary band like that I mean well I get that but they're don't, up there with don't the Beatles. you can oh, we can oh, we oh, oh, oh. can we all agree that if the authorities and her family say that it's not hers it wasn't hers yeah but my only issue with that is again the, the I don't know the number of people that were at this slumber party I believe personally that most of those items in her book bag were in her book bag probably starting on the 11th and then going into the sleep the slumber party because the the candies that her coach gave her on the on the 12th you know we we found those so that's what also makes me believe oh yeah well her basketball uniform would have been packed away as well right and, and I agree 100% with you, but I, I also want to keep in mind this is something that law enforcement may know. We've already seen time and time again they have information on stuff in this case, and they're just not releasing it to the public. They may have confirmation from mom and or dad that that items were were packed at a different time. And really, really the cutoff is that basketball uniform. Yeah, possibly. Because that's something that's that's very simple that we know that she she would have had to have taken it out of a backpack at some point to wear it on Saturday. And did it go right back into the backpack afterwards? Or was it washed and put away in her room? Mm -hmm. uh, these are things that the parents and law enforcement would know at the time. Here's my big, big problem with this case. It's... Time and time again, I, I feel like the most crucial pieces of evidence are just being swept aside. It's almost like they're brushed under the rug. It seems like law enforcement, for the most part, believe that something weird was going on that probably involved foul play very quickly in this little girl's disappearance. Mm -hmm. They appealed to the public for help. They just didn't appeal to the public, I think, in the, in, in the right manner. Right. Again, like you said, this case is really frustrating. I mean, one, why did she leave her house? doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe sleepwalking. Maybe she was lured out by somebody. And then all these items that don't seem to be connected to her, that nobody can connect back to her. A book, a nightshirt, and then this, this picture of this other girl. Well, we'll go through our thoughts uh in some, some better detail here in a minute Bef before I want to hit on a couple of other items here, Captain. In November of last year, November of 2020, an inmate named Marcus Mellon 
who is a convicted, he's been convicted of sex crimes against children from 2014. Convicted piece of shit. He wrote a letter to the Shelby Star newspaper claiming that Aisha Degree was murdered and he knows where to find her. Mm -hmm. So, of course, these claims were under investigation for many months, but not uh, verified. Again, another problem with this case, though, is that road itself is, what do you say, 180-some miles? 145. Yeah, okay, so that's that's a lot of distance for even somebody to go, oh, yeah, we picked this girl up, and then eventually uh, we put her remains back on that road or whatever. You know, they, if they're off by 10 miles, probably too much for the searchers to, to, to figure out. So in his letter... To the um, newspaper, he wrote, Asia Degree has been missing for over 20 years. About four months ago, I had found out her whereabouts and what had happened to her. She was killed and then took and buried. I do know how and what town she is in. I hope you get this letter and do come see me. It's on the up and up. So it took a while for investigators to... They were saying that it was COVID that was slowing them down on interviewing, and it sounds like there was a an outbreak where this man is being housed, where he was serving his time. So that seems very likely. But later, in fact, just very recently, I can't remember if it was days or just a couple weeks ago, but authorities came out and said, you know, we've spoke to this inmate. We've looked into everything he said. It's not led us anywhere. We don't know if this is, they're not questioning the credibility of the information as far as this guy believing what he's telling them. What it is, is that they figured out that this is all information that he's received second, third, fourth hand. Right. It's, a, it's information that's traveled from person to person to person to person that seemed to have worked its way to him. And by this point, it has no relevant information or anything that they can use for their investigation over the 21 years that Asia has been missing. There's been three different inmates that's come forward saying they know where she is and what happened to her. We discussed two of them in detail. The The third one I believe took place in 2004 and I kind of skipped over that because it, it was really nothing. He, it was, a, it, it was an inmate saying this is where her body can be found. They searched there and searched there and searched there. And it was just, wasted expense, wasted efforts. They they found zero there, nothing. Right. So for me, Captain, when we when we talk about the thoughts and feelings and suspicions that we have in this case, the thing that that really breaks my heart that that I mentioned in yesterday's episode, you know, some of these cases really get to you and some of them it, it almost feels like the people aren't so real that that they're you know, actors on a screen somewhere. But this one, I what I cannot shake from, from my mind and from my heart is thinking about that young girl walking, a da- walking down the side of the street out in the country in the pitch black, cold and rain on her own. That, yeah. that has, has pierced my heart and will stick with me for some time. That breaks my my heart to think about that. It, and then I keep going back to the idea of, okay, th- yes, there's a chance she might have been sleepwalking. I can agree with that. But if she wasn't, she was. this is the act of a desperate person. She's either running away from something horrible or running to- toward something. And whatever it was, if she, it had a sense of urgency. The storm was not going to stop her. The dark was not going to stop her. Whatever it was, she was going to go and, and carry out whatever mission she, she set herself on. And I don't have, I know some people do, and I'm no smarter than anybody else. Definitely not. But I don't have any suspicions about Aisha's parents or about the family. I don't see any evidence that there was anything weird going on. I really don't think she was running away from anything. I think she was very likely running towards something. And my gut will not allow me to, to feel suspicious about the parents. And, and look, I, I've called out parents in many, many other cases. Mm -hmm. 
Many other cases. Usually that's my go-to. When I first started reviewing this thing. My go-to is normally the parents. Well, when I first started reviewing this, I I thought, how could it not be the parents? Or one of the parents. Yeah, what's interesting, I I think sometimes you have to have have the the eyeball test and the earball test. And like you said, you can go look up uh, interviews they've done with uh, Montel Williams, with Oprah Winfrey, uh, being on America's Most Wanted a lot of times, too, they might seek out local publicity for a case, but if they're in on it, a lot of times the parents will shy away from a bigger national attention. Nothing that they say to me, or I, I mean, there's really nothing that they have said ever that I ever felt it was suspicious in any way. And I, I know they both took polygraph tests and passed those and allowed in the court of law, but it's like, well, police use those as a tool and, and they pay, pass both of them. And they just, to me, they passed the eyeball test and the earball test. And it's 21 years later. If if it were the parents, usually that's a very easy conclusion to come to mm-hmm. for law enforcement. We wouldn't be sitting here having the same conversation. And then then you have to believe, let's say, let's say you do suspect the parents. Well, then you have to convince yourself that somehow there's just some coincidence that that Aisha or someone matching her description was seen walking alone in the middle of the night on the side of the highway by multiple people. And that somehow her belongings ended up in this tool shed Mm -hmm. and that somehow her book bag was double bagged and thrown out the side of the highway, 26 miles North of that. Yeah. And what I think here that, that this is going back to the chugging a beer and punching myself in the face in the face. The thing here that I, I cannot get over, Captain, is, you know, you hear you hear the old saying, don't bury the lead, you know, sometimes with with journalism. Oh, the, the most important part of the story was three paragraphs down, didn't even make the headline. I feel like when I review this investigation that unfortunately for Asia and her family, I feel like investigators and journalists have managed to bury the lead. Time and time again, and it, mm-hmm. it makes zero sense to me. The first bit of information that was found that possibly could be connected to Aisha's case, and I say possibly because I'm trying to be responsible, I firmly believe that it is related to Aisha's case. And I'll tell you why. It's that photograph of the unknown girl. There is no reason for that photograph to be in the Turner's tool shed. This shed was located more than a football field off of the highway. It had no doors, so it wasn't like something that Aisha had to figure out her way to get into. And it had a light because I've, I've read people saying that, well, she would have had to have known where that tool shed was. Maybe she did, maybe she didn't. But the Turners clearly say in an interview, we have a light that's on that tool shed. You could spot it from the road, even though it's that far from the road in the pitch black. Maybe she simply went in there to get out from the rain, or maybe, as you said, maybe something spooked her or the, the truck driver stopping, attempting to help her scares her. And she decides to flee somewhere. And that's her only, her only shelter. But what we do know is regardless of how they got there, items belonging to Asia degree were found in and around that tool shed along with a wallet-sized photograph of an unknown girl, a photo that was shown to her family, to her school, to people that knew Asia, and everyone said the same thing. I don't know who that girl is in the photograph, nor do I have any idea where the photograph would have came from. Well, it's clearly a school picture. Taking that information, what did we do with it to ask the public for help? Because here's here's the problem with this case, okay? the The book, the library book, It's quite unique. And in fact, that stamp putting it at the Folston Elementary School makes it one of a kind. The New Kids on the Block concert t-shirt. Classic. It's unique. It's not one of a kind, but it is from a specific tour. They only had so many stops on that tour. And to take it a step further, I'm asking the public for a little bit of help here. If you read the fine print on that that shirt, that tour was the... um, Hanging Tough World Tour from 1989-1990, but the fine print on it says Winterland Productions 1990, Big Step Productions 1990, made in the USA. So I'm wondering, does that mean that 
it was made in 1990 and only available for purchase during the 1990 year of that two-year tour. A good point. If anybody has any information about that, let us know. So that item is not unique, but I mean, not one of a kind, but it is unique. Right. Right. The cars, the description of the vehicle. Very unique. Not one of a kind, but again, unique. What is unique? What is one of a kind? What is, sorry, I'm jumbling my words like crazy. What is one of a kind here in this story, no matter what, you cannot shake it, is this little girl that's in this other photograph. Mm -hmm. She is one of a kind. We've not been able to identify who that person is. And you know why we haven't been able to identify her is because I don't think hardly anybody's seen this damn picture. That when they put it in the newspaper asking for people's help, it was at the bottom of page 75. Well, and that's why the prosecutor's podcast reached out to us to cover this case. That's where I get all my news. The bottom of page 75 on a Thursday. If you really wanted to locate this girl or people that know this girl or where potentially this photograph came from, you got to get it out there to the public. It's not a picture of Asia. It's not anybody that anybody that knows Asia is saying that they know this little girl. It would have helped if it was on Oprah's show. Well, I, I have not seen the segment on Oprah's show, nor did I see the segment on America's Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. But I very, very little remains of this photograph. In fact, there's a lot of reports about Asia's case to this day that don't, in, don't even include the photograph being ever found or mentioned anywhere. Can you send me the photograph real quick? I will send you the photograph, but but this is on law enforcement. This this photograph should have been you remind the public over and over again. We're we're still looking for Asia, but we're also looking for information on this photograph. It's not just coincidence that this photograph is found with her belongings in the same area on the day that she goes missing. Yeah, but law enforcement's people and people make mistakes and Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. But, but also, of course I make mistakes too, but but also we don't, we don't know what information that they have that is not released to the public. So we don't know what it's, it's really hard to say. I I think sometimes to go, Oh, well, if it was me, I would do this. Well, we're, we're also looking back on. Right. But we also know that according to their own statements that they sat on that book and the new kids on the block shirt for 17 years. How long did they sit on the information about the car? And like you pointed out, if we're going to ask the public for help, let's ask the public for help. Well, I think that's where law enforcement. Uh, they dropped the ball. They, and and they, here's the thing. I understand more. Well, no, than no, 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 no. It's not. It's not always dropping the ball. I think it's it's what uh, strategy are you going to take? If you're going to ask for the public's help, then you need to to go with that strategy full force, not not half asset. And I think some of these, why is it that we can look back on some of these investigations and just go, man, this seems like a chaotic horse shit. It's because they, they didn't pick a strategy and just go with it. And then you see these items come out 20 years later and you go, nobody's going to remember that. Or half the people that would remember that they died 10 years ago. Right. And I know better than most and understand better than most the idea of withholding information to save the integrity of your investigation and the integrity of your case. I really freaking get that. The problem, though, is what what I have here is what we're dealing with today in this case. There's information that could have been put out there in a better way, in a more timely manner, that could have led us to a better situation than where we sit today. Okay, so maybe you run the risk of not being able to get a conviction because you released too much to the public. You don't know what else you would find using that information. What else you would find to get that conviction based off of the information you released? The other issue, too, is, and this is her mother's words, she's having a hard time grieving for her daughter who's been gone for 21 years. There's no body. There's no gravesite to go to. At the very least, it's not what anybody would want. But justice, finding this girl alive would be amazing. That's the goal. Justice for this girl, if something terrible happened to her and she's no longer with us, 
is the second goal. But at the very least, maybe we could find the remains for this suffering family and we would still be in a better situation than we are here today. So I think that law enforcement and I think that the media in a, in a weird way, uh, intentional or not, um, buried the lead here on this case. I think there was a lot of good information out there that could have helped been provided to the public in a timely manner with better detailed information. Something, something good may have come of it. Now, we want to point out some things here real quick. And this is a quote from from Aisha's mother, Aquila, who said, we're hoping and we're praying that she's had a halfway decent life, even though we didn't get to raise her. She was nine years old and she'll be 30 this year. So this is, this is from an interview about a year ago. So we've missed everything, but I don't care if she walked in the door right now, I wouldn't care what I missed. All I want is to see her. Now, the FBI continues to offer a $25,000 reward for information leading to the person or persons responsible for Aisha's disappearance. The community and the sheriff's office are offering an additional $20,000 reward, bringing the total reward to $45,000. If you have any information about Aisha degree, please call the tip line at 704-672-6100 or the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-THE-LOST. That's 1-800-843-5678. For more True Crime Garage, make sure you check out our old episodes. They are now available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, check out our bonus show called Off the Record. That's only available on Stitcher Premium. Colonel, do we have any recommended reading? This week we are recommending the new book Maniac by one of my favorite true crime authors, Harold Schechter. We have recommended Harold Schechter's books before, not too long ago. We recommended his book, Hell's Princess. Well, his new book, Maniac, The Bath School Disaster and the Birth of the Modern Mass Killer, is out and available everywhere. Mr. Schechter is a twice-nominated author for the Edgar Award. He specializes in serial killers, and he is absolutely one of the best true crime historians and authors. Go see why by picking up his new book, Maniac, The Bath School Disaster, and The Birth of the Modern Mass Killer. Check out that great title and many, many more at truecrimegarage.com on our recommended page. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't litter. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.